Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Romance and Color. I'm your host, one half of the duo here at Romance and Color, Tati Richardson, your resident romance writer and reader. And welcome to your place for real inclusive love. Uh, well, season four is winding down and I cannot believe it, uh, but not before we have another amazing interview with another amazing romance author. This week we have my good sis and Harlequin Special Editions author, Darby Bam here. Uh, we're going to talk about Darby's series, The Friendship Chronicles. We're going to talk about how she got started writing romance, her process, uh, why Harlequin was the best fit for her, her stories, and why she's a Saints fan. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's, it's, it's our Saints Falcons rivalry. Y'all just gotta, y'all just gotta know, okay? Uh, but anyway, Darby is my girl. I'm so glad that I have got to know her through this year and this debut year uh, so you all sit back relax and listen to this conversation with Darby Bam here at Romance and Color hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Romance and Color I am here with my friend uh, my Harlequin uh, publishing house mate uh Darby Bam and we are going to talk all about her books and her series and all that good stuff so Darby welcome girl hi thanks for having me Tati <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited I feel like we've talked online for like such a long time and then we yeah. finally talk to each other and I'm like we've been talking for like five minutes beforehand but anyway um having a good time talking so Darby is the author of the Friendship Chronicles it's a trilogy of books soon to be four books it's four books in the series um and the first one was the Shoe Diaries the second one Bloom Where You're Planting and the third and last recent one London Calling and so we're going to talk all about Darby's uh process her her love of romance books all that good stuff so Darby I'm gonna ask you the question that I ask everybody when they first come on to the podcast which is when did you first fall in love with romance books and do you remember the very first romance that you ever read I don't remember the very first one I read but I remember the very first one that I loved and this is probably going to sound sacrilegious to romance lovers, but it didn't happen until I was in college. So that's all right. right. (laughs) But um, I read Accidental Diva by Tia Williams and Mm. immediately fell in love with that book and like, couldn't put it down. I think I read it like five or six times before I, (laughs) before I stopped reading it and was like, okay, maybe I should read something else. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it was the first time I read a romance book that felt like me and my friends could be in it Mm -hmm. and you know like I could see us you know we were all talking about where we wanted to go after college and I remember being like oh I would love to go to New York and live in Fort Greene Brooklyn so you know you just start to see yourself in some of those places Mm -hmm. um and the fact that she was this like glamorous beauty editor you know um and found this enchanting man who she like couldn't you know she couldn't like loose herself from him kind of thing. Like it was, it was just everything that I would have wanted to read when I was younger. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was the first time I realized like, oh, this is the kind of book I want to write too. Cause I always knew I was a writer. Like I was that 
that uh, introvert kid that if I couldn't speak the words to you, like I could write a note to you and slip it under your door and tell you right. how I felt right, about it. Right, right, right. So I always knew that writing was the thing I wanted to do. And I was even in school for journalism. Um, mm-hmm. But I hadn't thought about the idea that like, oh, I could actually write a book. I could write something, you know, in that capacity. Mm -hmm. And Accidental Diva was the first like jolt to be like, oh, I want to do that. I want someone like me to read my book and feel completely seen and feel completely like overtaken by the passion that's in the book, but also like can see their friends in it and can see the kind of career that they would want and, you know, have it be the whole package that kind of, you know, just uh, almost like a a release, like an exuberant release, like, Mm -hmm. oh, finally, (laughs) you know, I wanted, I wanted to be able to put that kind of work out into the world as well. I mean, I definitely think you've done it with these books for sure, for sure. So how did you, how did you transition from avid romance reader to, okay, I want to pursue this as a career. I want to get a, a publishing contract, all that good stuff. So how did we end up from, you know, just loving the genre to wanting to become a professional professional in, in the genre? Oh boy. I mean, honestly, the two were always related to me, right? Mm -hmm. So like I said, I didn't really start reading romance books until I was older. I mean, older is relative. I was, you know, in my twenties, right? Um, but that was right around the time that I was also trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my career. (laughs) And I knew that I still wanted to do something in writing, but I had realized by that point that I didn't want to be a reporter. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was figuring out like, just on my own end, what I wanted to do as a writer. Um, And I was starting to realize that what I loved about reporting, I didn't love some things, but what I did love about it was the ability to tell people's stories. Mm -hmm. Um, And so where could I find an avenue in that? Um, in other spaces. And so I tried a bunch of stuff. I was like in magazines, um, I did online media for a while. I did nonprofit. I'm still doing nonprofit communications. I did government communications, but all along, I was still trying to figure out like, what do I want to do with my books? Mm -hmm. Um, And the shoe diaries, I wrote probably at least five versions of it (laughs) before I ever got a deal. Um, Cause I didn't really know what I was doing. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm a writer and I want to tell this story. It really wasn't like Specifically, I want to tell this romance story. It's just that the romance made sense in the story for me. Got it. Um, And I wanted to tell this story of this woman who had stopped taking risks in her life. Mm -hmm. And she wanted, she got to this place where like, she wanted to learn how to trust herself again. And by learning how to trust herself again, she would start taking some calculated risks in her life. And one of those being, she was going to take a risk on an ex of hers um, and just how that all like flowed together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I wrote five different versions of that. I pitched it to so many different agents. (laughs) I had like, you know, I even had an opportunity. I talked to an editor at Atria Books who like read one of the versions and Mm -hmm. was blessfully I didn't think of it as a blessing at the time, but sort of brutally honest about like why it didn't work. Right, right, right. (laughs) Um, And I had my starts and stops, you know, Um, it wasn't, 
it wasn't something that I was fully pursuing for a long time. It was just, right. I was just kind of casually working on it, casually mm-hmm. writing five different versions, but <laughs> <laughs> casual. <laughs> right. But, you know, every time I would write a different version, I would pitch it out to 50 to 75 agents. Some of them would be nice and give me nice rejections. Some of this just, some of them just wouldn't say anything. Um, and I gave up on it several times and came Uh back to it, you know, there would be, I call them like little, like God winks. There would be little things that would happen that would say, no, you can't give up on this. You have to keep going. Right. So sometimes it would be, I was starting to have friends who were getting book deals, but they were in the nonprofit world, but still starting to have friends that were getting their own book deals. And so then I would meet people out and I would say, oh, I'm working on a book. And, you know, just kind of casually working on a book and I would kind of tell them the premise and they'd say, oh, I need to read that book. And then I would say, oh, but I haven't done anything with it in so long. And they're like, what, what are you doing? You need to be writing that book, right? Um, Or I even had a chance to meet Tia Williams one time and told her I was working on a book. And I'm like, you know, over there fangirling, like I read your book and da da da. And she's like, why aren't you working on your book? Um, but I, it was because I was trying to do everything, right? Like I had a blog at the time I'd started writing for the Washington Post. I was, you know, had my like career in government communications that I was doing. And so I hadn't really prioritized, um, right. what would become the shoe diaries for a while. And so when I tell people, like, it took me 10 years, it sounds like, oh, it was 10 years, just nonstop. It was, it was not. <laughs> Yeah. 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 It was 10 years, but it was 10 years of like, oh, I think I'll write a page today or, you know, trying to like, I think I wrote chapters one through three so many times because everyone tells you like those first three chapters need to be the most perfect chapters in the world. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and so you kind of get caught up in like changing this to the and just all those different iterations of it. Um and I'm an editor in my day life. So I can, if I'm not careful, can start editing my book while I'm writing it. Right. And I found myself doing that a lot as well. Um, but about almost seven years ago, and it'll be seven years in August, I moved to New York. And when I moved to New York, I was like, okay, this is it. We are not going to move. We're not going to take this leap and move to this new city and not also finally like take the leap and do what you want to do with this book right Um, and so I dropped a lot of the other like ancillary things that I was doing and said I am going to prioritize this Mm -hmm. and if it works (laughs) then great if it doesn't work then at least I said that I like gave it my all and I tried um and completely scrapped everything (laughs) (laughs) Finally, like did an outline, which I had never done before, did an outline, saw where some of those plot holes were that people had told me before mm-hmm. um, and re, you know, just wrote not completely what it is now, but almost what it is now mm-hmm. um, and had a close friend who's an editor finally be the one to tell me like, okay, you're doing that thing where you're editing it, right? Like you gotta, if you want it to go out into the world, you gotta give it out into the world. Yes, yes, um, yes. And so I was very intentional about like the the 30 or so agents that I reached out to that last set of, t- that last time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and one of them was Latoya C. Smith. And I loved the story that I had read about her, mm-hmm. um, where like she had been an editor at Hachette before, but had decided to take 
this chance on herself and start her own literary agency. And I was like, if anybody will get it, she'll get it. Like, right, right, you know, right. um, and she did, thankfully. <laughs> so That's that awesome. was the like super long journey to getting an agent and then Less than a year later, we had a we had a deal from Harlequin. So that's awesome. So you talk a lot. I mean, you mentioned a lot about the the rejections that you received over that time because it just wasn't the, the at the time the manuscript just wasn't right. Yeah. What did you take from those rejections and apply it to the manuscript? Did you like? Did you say okay? Now I need to. I, you know, you you say you started reading romance a little late. And stuff like that. Did you say, okay, now I need to really become a student of romance and, and figure out the mechanics and why this really is not working and how I can make this story better? Um, and did those rejections kind of help you along the way to do that? I mean, the, the rejections, obviously, they don't feel good in the moment, right? <laughs> Nothing that doesn't feel good in the moment, but they definitely did help because they made me like dig deeper into the story. Um Honestly, the the feedback that I got was never about the romance part. The feedback that I got was about the characters not feeling real enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I realized is that I was still like holding back on things mm-hmm. because even though it was a fiction story and it is a fiction story, like the best parts of it are the things that I was able to take influence from, from my life and from my friends' lives mm-hmm. and like meld that in. Right. But I was so caught up in my head of like, oh, my mom's going to read this book. <laughs> my grandfather's going to read this book and they're going to be like, what? What is going on up there? You in that devil's East Coast? Like, what are you doing up there? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and that was stopping me. Right. Um, it was it was a combination of that and just trying to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um and write from a place of perfection instead of writing from a place of vulnerability. And so uh, we let go of those two things and finally did an outline. <laughs> then I could really start to see like how this character who is so meticulous and so like she has everything from the outside that you would think someone would want, mm-hmm. how she's at a place where she's just unhappy um, and what gets her to say, well, I'm unhappy because I stopped taking risks in my life. Mm -hmm. And one of those risks is I've been avoiding the fact that I'm still in love with my ex Mm. Um, because it wouldn't wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be perfect for me to go back to an ex. Like that's not what we do, right? We don't, you know, in the the list of shoulds, you don't boomerang back. (laughs) And, and, and I, think, so, I think what I liked about this story, and not to control, I think what I liked <laughs> about the story is, you know, the impetus, and another thing, the impetus for her feeling this way is loss, right? She loses mm-hmm. someone she cares about. Now, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't read it, but she loses someone that's essential to her core group of folks in her life. And then she realizes, you know what, I need to, I, I need to assess what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't often in romances have the woman just say, I want to go back to my ex. Usually it's a roundabout way. You know what I'm saying? The ex comes back, they run into <laughs> each other, blah, blah, blah. No, she's like, no, no, look, I want this man back. What do I need to do? <laughs> so that, I thought that was super different um, 
you know, because like I said, oftentimes a second chance romance is usually we kind of run into each other happenstance, you know. But she was just very much like, look, I know where I'm failing at. And it's because I'm still in love with this man and I need to go and get my man, basically. Um, and so I think that's what I really, really liked about it in her and Jake's relationship and how you see where the cracks were and how they mend those cracks to try to get baby girl. That's what I like. Yeah, you know, I think I I like telling the stories that like it's it's using the tropes that we enjoy mm-hmm. but finding like a different twist on it. Right? <laughs> um yeah. and I think especially when you're thinking about second chance romances like in real life those are not uh as cookie cutter as they show up oh, in wow. your Hallmark movies and you're like, oh. you know, like there's just they're messy. <laughs> they're, you know, you you have all these thoughts about like, am I, am I supposed to go back to this person? Like, what is it? Why is, you know, have they changed? Like all these kinds of questions. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that if someone like me was reading the book, they would be able to relate to her saying, like, no, I still love this man and I need to get right. him a chance and I need to give myself a chance to like actually pursue this. Um, because I enjoy the cookie cutter stuff, but like, I would, I can't relate to it. That's just not my life. Right, 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 <laughs> so right. Like, if I'm going to do this, I need to tell a story that, you know, someone like me is going to read and be like, huh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. And the other thing was, I wanted to ask was, um, when you were writing the shoe diaries did you have a series in mind like say okay I'm gonna take these books and just have you know from each girl's perspective um did you have the series in mind or did the series the idea for the series come after you know you you already kind of sent this out into the world or you were you like okay I think I already have a series in mind before I before you did that so I always knew that I wanted it to be a series but I didn't initially think that I wanted it to be a series where each book follows a different person. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of it more along like Confessions of a Shopaholic where you still keep following like Rebecca. Yeah. Um, But in talking with my editor at Harlequin, she was like, well, actually I want to know more about these other ladies that are in the the shoe diaries. And so Mm -hmm. just working with her was how we like, you know, formed it into being where each book would follow a different um Mm -hmm. friend in the friend group but Mm -hmm. I always had in mind that like you know you never know how it's going to go but if this book goes well I want it I don't want this to be the end Mm -hmm. um and that's you can kind of read that in the ending right like it's a happy ever after but it's certainly like a there's got to be more like there's there's more coming to this yeah yeah Yeah, definitely you're like oh that's nice okay so what's next Right, right. Nice. So what's next? <laughs> um, I think I felt that. I think I think I felt that most at the end of um, Blue Way You're Planted because I was just like, okay, Jennifer. Okay, that's nice. Okay, <laughs> that's nice. Okay, so what's Robin gonna do? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. And that's a tricky balance to play, it right? Is. Because. I, tr- I don't read, I think I heard you say this as well. I don't read reviews that I'm not tagged in, right? Nope. 
that is something that I decided early on I would not do. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes you are tagged in them and you see some things. And so I've read a couple of reviews where people be like, she should have had an epilogue. She should da, da, da. And I'm like, y'all, it's a series. Like, I want right, you to, right. <laughs> right. I mean, trust me, you will know what happens with these folks in the next book, but mm -hmm. that's just, you know, I think also that's a personal preference kind of thing, right? Like mm -hmm. for me, I want kind of like that idea of like, okay, I know that they ended on a good note, but I want to see what happens later in the next book. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe everybody doesn't have that same, like they just wanted to like, that's it. No, that's it. <laughs> right, right, right. And then right. you start over. But my characters, even though, even though it follows a different friend in the next book, like they're all still, their lives are still so entwined, right? Like yeah. these are best friends. So you know, when you get to Robin's story, you still are finding out all that's going on with Jennifer and Nick and Reagan and Jake and, you know, all that kind of stuff, because how could you not? They're friends. They're talking to each other. Yeah, exactly. They're having talk, you know, so we Nacho Thursday, but it's never on Thursday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's never on Thursday. We really have it on a Thursday. <laughs> no, but isn't that something that, like, to me, that was just the ultimate, like, thing that a friend group would do like we're gonna just randomly come up with this name and it's like nacho thursdays because that sounds cute but we can't ever find a way to make it on thursday yes, yes absolutely <laughs> and i think I, I think what i loved about the series is we don't get enough books about strong friend groups you know what i mean and it it, it was like a, it, it reminded me of a mashup of like sex in the city meets girlfriends you know what i'm saying meets you know, all those series that we love kind of growing up in the 90s, 2000s, um, living single, you know, stuff like that. You know, those friend groups that are really, really strong and tight. What is it you think about friend groups, particularly in romance, that adds, lends to like the romantic arc of the story? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you think is what makes a friend group strong, like in, in, in particularly in a romance genre? Oh, I just am... Okay, again, this is coming from my bias, right? Like, I just know that in my life, mm -hmm. my friend groups have been the ones that have kept me going when I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with another man <laughs> disappointing me, right? Like, right. you know, when you've been dating for a while, a lot of times you can just be like, you know what, I'm done. I'm not mm -hmm. doing this again. I'm not going to put myself out there again. Mm -hmm. But it's been my friend groups that have been like, I know that you feel that way right now. <laughs> but like you know xyz or like i know you just met this person and it seems scary but like give him a chance right yes. um, and so i try to impart that in my books with the friends so like you get to see them just as friends generally mm -hmm. but in terms of like how it relates to the romance arc is that they are constant they are like the foundation they're the they're the heart they're the ones that remind that character no, don't give in to the easy thing that would be to just walk away from this, right? Yes. Like, yes. Give this thing a chance because I know you really like this person or I know you really love this person and I love you. So I want you to, you know, explore what could be with this person. And sometimes you need that, that like little angel on your shoulder. Oh, yes. No, yes. you don't give up, girl. <laughs> you can do it. And then sometimes you need the devil on the shoulder. So you yeah. need to be bad sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that happens a few yeah. times in Bloom where you're planted for yes. sure. <laughs> yes. 
I was just gonna say that you just, <laughs> like you need to be bad sometimes. And I like I like the one you planted because it's a like you said it's a it's a different spin on the trope, right? Mm-hmm. It's an established relationship, but it's like where are we going? Where are we where do we go from here? Type of thing. That's the question that's there, and I liked that kind of push and pull back and forth. You know, what are we gonna do? What are we doing here? Because I feel like you know we don't we don't talk enough about established relationships and romances. Um, there's always a breakup. There's always a the threat of a breakup. There's always I mean that's there, but at the same time, it's just like we don't explore the push and pull, the ebbs and flows of just a relationship going through things and how we can like the title says you know bloom where we are planted where we want with the water where we have it will grow it will flourish it'll nourish it'll it'll uh, you know um uh just supply beauty within itself um so that that's what i liked about it i mean there was a i I know when i was was like damn these things i just never really think about when i read romance and I find your series, particularly for Harlequin, and you know, I'm I'm on a line in Harlequin as well. I'm on yes, Karina. We, we do different. <laughs> we can do, we do different things. I'm not gonna talk about me, but we're doing <laughs> we do different things over on our thing on our over on our side of the house. But with Harlequin, um, Lord, what am I? What am I trying to say? With Harlequin Special Edition, you know, you're able to like do expand and grow and stay still within category um and i thought this series was really different for category for harlequin uh special edition because it, it just gave me like again all the feels of you know a sex in the city a living single all that i was like i never seen i never really seen that in harlequin category so what was it about harlequin particularly that they were able to like grow and see the vision for you um what did they relate to you about what they wanted to see with the series honestly from day one when I talked to Gail Gail Chasen who's my editor at special edition she Mm -hmm. got it right like because I I went into it being like I don't know she's gonna get it (laughs) but she was immediately like this I love this 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 and this and I don't want to change it I don't want to make it you know um I guess I would say like maybe more tra- like more traditionally category, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she was like, from from her perspective, it it still fit firmly in like what special edition does. Yes, um, I agree. But that it was it was just a different take on it. And mm-hmm. and once she said that to me, and she was like, Gail is sometimes more excited about the stories than I am, <laughs> which is great. Like that's what that you want good. in an editor, right? Yeah. Um, Yes. And, you know, over several conversations talking to her, like, I just knew that she was going to go to bat for my stories and mm-hmm. not try and, you know, I'm, I'm an editor by trade. So like, I'm all about editing a thing to make it better, mm-hmm. but she was never going to materially change it so that like what the, the premise of the story wouldn't change, right? Like the, the thing that I really wanted people to get out of it wasn't going to change in her hand. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 I'm gonna be real. Let's just call a thing a thing. If you got these group, is a group of black women who are friends. Mm-hmm. Well, black women for the most part, they got friends who are not black too. But um, for the, the core crew, yeah, for the most part, crew, <laughs> the black. Um, but you know, these are their experiences. There are things in there that are, you know, the like little cultural jokes here and there that people may not get who ain't black. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> Stuff like that. Um, 
And, you know, oftentimes when we're writers, we worry, like, if somebody has our, has that, and they're like, are they going to get it? You know what I'm saying? Are they going to get the little things that we're throwing out here and there um, that may be inside jokes or something? If you say, say less, what you said in this book, right. <laughs> God, like, are they going to get say less? They're going to say, what does that mean? <laughs> what that mean? Say less or what, girl? Like, right. Oh, we'll finish this sentence. <laughs> Um, are they gonna get that? Um, but I think that's really that's really important for um when you're looking to find a home for your work, like getting editors who understand everything about it. Um, yeah, and you know, I'll be honest, like she hasn't always gotten the reference, right? But <laughs> but right. she'll ask and then I'll tell her what it means, and she'll be like, Oh, I love that, right? Like one of my, one of the first times this happened is so funny. I, I clearly remember it vividly was there's a scene in the shoe diaries where Reagan is talking about how the guy came over with some gray sweatpants on. Yes. So, yes. so she knew he was about it. Right. He came right, with some right. sweatpants on. And Gail goes, is gray sweatpants, is that a good thing? <laughs> and I was like, oh, Gail, yes. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. <laughs> Oh, yes, ma'am. It is very much a good thing. Right. And I told her and she was like, oh, I love everything about that. I was like, yeah, you do. Yeah, <laughs> It is a thing, y'all. Great sweat. Yeah. Gotta make an appearance in at least right. one, one or two romances. Um, right? And I, I don't know. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I'm sure that there are every every author has their their experiences with their editor. Um, I greatly appreciate that she doesn't try and like, I don't want to say dumb down, but that's kind of what I mean, right? Like you, you can read stories. I think especially black women, we read stories where you can tell like, oh, they needed to explain what happened there so that other people could understand it. Right. Mm -hmm. And sure. There are some times that you have to do that, but for the most part, I really just wanted it to be like, if you need to understand what that reference means, just pick up the content. Yeah, context and, and Google is free, right? Because we have to do yeah. it all the time. Um, and you know, like I grew up in a lot of white spaces where I had to learn what certain references mean. So mm -hmm. I think I'm particularly cognizant of like if I can do it, you can do it. I'm mm -hmm. not gonna tell a I don't want to write a story that a black woman's reading and she like, now why did you feel like you needed to explain what that means? <laughs> No. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so so London Calling, which I listened to the audio. I had I was reading it and listening to the audiobook. Mm -hmm. So I was going back and forth. Um what I think I love about Robin and Reagan and Jennifer and Rebecca um is that they're still open their friend group up to other people. Like when Robin moves to London, she find you know, instantly Olivia, they bond and they become friends and stuff like that. Um, and I just love that they open up their circle to other people. And I think that says something, particularly with Robin's case of being incorporated and all this stuff, about how community is so necessary and vital in, you know, black women surviving different oh spaces, God. you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, and for Robin moving across the ocean and getting adjusted to you know a new place and still like I'm gonna find she was very homegirl was adamant on page two like I'm about to find love I broke up with this man okay that's cute but when I go over to England 
she had some adventure child um and you know ultimately she you know y'all can read the back of the book and know what happened but sort of know what happened but y'all know the stuff in the middle right but right. you know luckily love is like right under her nose basically um and i just i just love the fact that you know not only she's having this adventure in love and her and, and then you know in this whole new city you know she's still so positive generally about you know what happens like, okay this doesn't this work for this guy but I'm still gonna make it and I also love that her friends check her like look you just can't just throw this guy out because x y and z give it a chance you know or you know are you really seeing what we're seeing you're telling us one thing but are you really seeing the whole <laughs> picture here girl so that's why I just I just loved it I thought it was really good and first of all London are you an are you an Anglophile? Are you a person who loves all things it English and British? So actually, I'm probably more of a Francophile. Okay. <laughs> Funny enough. <laughs> okay. I was say we got more things in common than I thought. I was like, oh, like oh, we both like English things. I was like, oh, okay. I, I I've never been to London. Have you been to London? I have. I've been okay. a couple of times. Um, so and and I have a lot of not a lot, but I have a few friends who live there for a significant amount of time. Okay. So okay. That was part of my research and wanting yeah. to make sure oh, like um, you know, I've had people who've told me that they've used the book as like a travel guide when they go there. Because <laughs> they're, you know, all the places and the experiences that I talk mm-hmm. about are real. Um yeah. and you know, I used a combination of like things that I did while I was there, mm-hmm. um, stuff that, you know, talking to people who either live there for 10 plus years or still Mm -hmm. there right now Mm -hmm. um and then you know google again google is free right (laughs) um the combination of those three things of just wanting to make sure that you know because harlequin is published in london and wanting to make sure somebody picks up the book in london they're not gonna be like we would never go there (laughs) what are you talking about right we would never say that. Why would someone be a dirty martini? Like, I just didn't want that to be right. the, the thing that would, or make them want to DNF the book, right? Like, right, right. There's right. so many reasons that you might. I didn't want that to be the reason <laughs> that you might. Right, right. I was going to say, dang, I was like, this book was so, this book was so well researched. Like, I was like, man, she was to spend a significant time <laughs> in London. I was like, gosh, I was like, she makes me want to go. I was like, switch I want to go I have Tia Harris and stuff like that. I was like, I want to do that kind of stuff. I was like, gosh. But I mean, kudos to you. I mean, it really feels like a part, like you just were just a person that's so immersed in London and England and, and all the culture. And not only that, the Black cultural scene that's going on in England and London, you know, I, it was very it was, it was, was very much giving Love Jones vibe when they went out to the club. Uh, yes. okay so love jones is my favorite movie so that's same. probably why <laughs> once again darby things in common same uh same and then so when i was reading i was like girl this ain't and then you mentioned darius in here right i said it's like after this cousin she <laughs> say nothing but love jones in england what did she do like, love jones in england because all it is love jones <laughs> Oh but but it's it's really not it's not just love jones it's other stuff going on <laughs> it's, it's much of robin's disastrous dates and 
and meeting a, a barrage of people and all that stuff when when Zane when she meets Zane I was just so crushed I was just like bro I was like come on now but but that's anyway. how it goes right it's I mean like, you've been oh, out of the dating game for a while Tati mm-hmm. kudos mm-hmm. to you yeah. <laughs> you don't want to come back to these streets right <laughs> but but yeah. that is what happens like you know first of all her going there and being like I'm gonna find me some love mm-hmm. and thinking it's gonna be just this linear <laughs> linear thing because she said it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and that's just not how like intentions work right you know Mm -hmm. there's the ups and the downs to it but then I don't know I've had a few different times where it's like oh this wow this might actually be like in game and then something boom blindsides you and it makes you be like yes I don't think I can do this again (laughs) because the ones that are just awful from the beginning you can get over those real easy very quickly yeah the ones that are just like uh you know you got too drunk on a date or you were just like you know out of your out of pocket the whole time like you can brush those off and be fine with them but the ones that you're like oh, I'm getting the fluttery feelings and I'm talking to my friends about them and da-da-da. And then all of a sudden something hits you. (laughs) Those are the ones that feed into that narrative of like, you got to be always waiting for the shoe to drop. You got to be always Mm -hmm. in cues, you know? Mm -hmm. And that I've intentionally put that in the book because I wanted it to be like, okay, Robin's got to get through that now, right? Like, she got through all the easy ones. She's got to get through that feeling and still end up trusting this new guy who, like, like you said, has been under her nose, but mm-hmm. he's been under her nose because she's been told he ain't the one to trust. So. Right, right. By his, by his own sister, y'all. But anyway, <laughs> oh, so like, you know, my brother, I would have killed my brother. <laughs> but he's the he one. Kinda, <laughs> he kind of sometimes, I don't know, girl, but you know. It is what it is. But yeah, I, I again I love the whole series. I can talk about it all day. Thank you. And I feel like 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 I was saying, I was like, dang, I feel like Darwin, I have so many things in common. I was like, I read that, you know, you did, you know, you do editing. I was like, oh, I got a degree in writing and editing. She you did like, you know, a blog and stuff. I was like, oh man, I had a blog, I had a relationship <laughs> blog and stuff like that. And I was like, oh me and Darby gonna be besties. Then she was like, I like the Saints. I was like, oh. No, you're like we were so close. No, we were so close. <laughs> I was like, we were so close. I was like, no, I'm a Falcons fan. No, no, but that doesn't stop me because I still my sister. I love her. I love, I love you. <laughs> yeah. But also another thing we have in common: you made your music. I went through your website, music playlist. You mentioned lots of music in all the books. I too love a good music playlist. I had a playlist for my debut as well. Um, how important is it for you? How, what does music do for you and set the scene? I know for London Calling, there's a lot of Mariah Carey in here, a lot of um, Cleo Soul, which I didn't think nobody else knew who Cleo Soul was, but I guess so. Look at that, look <laughs> at that. See, we're besties. <laughs> besties. Um, and, you know, how important is music to you, you know, for setting the scene, being like another character in, in the book for you? I mean, I feel like you can learn so much about someone through the music that they listen to. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So London Calling, for example, it was important for me to, I mean, yes, there's the Cleo Souls and like the the London music. So yes, I definitely yes. wanted to have that in there. Yeah. But I think it tells you so much about her that her favorite artist is Mariah Carey, right? <laughs> like, she's a diva. Like, yes, she's absolutely. a diva. She's like, I'm going after mine. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, um, 
I think that's how music shows up in my life. I, mm -hmm. I have probably 85 playlists on Spotify this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and, and I come from New Orleans where everything like, you know, music is just like entrenched in everything that we do. Um, yes. I dated a DJ at one point and I'm one of those people that feels like whatever career I date, I like get osmosis from you. <laughs> I think I'm sort of kind of an amateur low-key DJ sometimes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, okay. so I think music just, even like when I'm writing, mm -hmm. like the songs come to me as I'm doing the outline. It's not something oh. that just sort of haphazardly happens. It's like, oh, I'm doing the outline. I'm like, oh, I could hear this song playing in that scene. Yes. And it, it to me, if you know that song or if you choose to go and listen to it, then you get a sense of like, oh, okay, I can hear what's happening in the scene now, right? So mm -hmm. I can tell you through words, like how it smells and, and what it looks like, but the music is what tells you what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, and I want you to have like all the senses, <laughs> like you're reading the book. <laughs> I, I, just, I wanted to be like yeah, yeah. flopped right into the story, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Like you said, all your senses were being met. Like I was getting hungry. I could visualize, <laughs> right. I, I, I could visualize like where she was in London and the red telephone booths and all that stuff. And you know, her even her apartment. You like you you like detailed it so well to like I visualized what it looked like when she walked in and saw these books and Jane Eyre and all this other stuff I, I mean I can visualize all of that um but do, do you also write like do you also have music on when you write what kind of music do you listen to when you write no typically I actually need very like I need quiet which wow, is okay. in New York but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I will yeah. listen to music and then write so okay. I'll do that I'll listen to music um, I might watch like for London Calling, I was watching a lot of British TV mm -hmm. to kind of put myself in that zone mm -hmm. before I would go into it, before I would go into writing. Um, but then I would also listen to some music. So I was listening to a lot of Cleo Soul, which is how she got in there. Mm -hmm. um, and that is all just the things to like flip my brain back over from, you know, during the day I'm writing, a, I'm writing and editing about criminal justice. Right. So right. like how can I like flip it back into this romance world okay let me let listen to some you know Miguel or you know something that's gonna like get my brain back into like passion and romance and the angst and all that kind of stuff so, mm -hmm. so let's talk about a typical day like what does a typical day writing schedule look like for you like, oh your your nine to five well um if I'm on deadline which mm -hmm. is uh, that's when it gets, you know, I'm writing every day mm -hmm. is, you know, I am not a, I am not a morning person. So I am not one of those 5am risers to write. Like that's probably, I won't say never. Mm -hmm. I've learned not to say never, mm -hmm. but it's highly unlikely that, that will be me. <laughs> so, so I get up, you know, I, I work from home for the most part. Like I've been to my office maybe three times this year. <laughs> so yeah. mostly I work from home. I get up, I meditate, I pray, I drink some coffee, I make some breakfast. You know, I might work out in the morning and then I start work. That can, the day varies. It can end at five, it could end at 7.30, it could end at, you know, just depends on yeah. like how busy yeah. the, the work day is. 
Um, when the weather is nice, I might go outside walking just to like give myself a mental break from doing that to this. And while I'm walking, I might lis listen to some music or I might listen to, you know, something that puts me in that zone. And then I come back and I try and write for at least one or two hours. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that produces 200 words. And sometimes that produces 2000 words. You know, yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah. know how it goes, right? Yeah, like sometimes yeah. it's just like I can't type fast enough because it's all just coming, coming out. Yeah, it's a slog, and you're like, I just need to get some words on the page today. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes. And then, uh, probably why I'm not a morning person is because I go to sleep pretty late. So, like, mm -hmm. then after I've done some writing, I catch up on all my phone calls and text messages that I've missed. Uh, catch up on my social media that I've missed, right? <laughs> um, you know, might FaceTime with like my baby nephew or oh. talk to the guy who's making me smile this week or, you know, something like that. <laughs> um, do my nighttime routine and then it's time to go to bed. And that's, you know, unless I have like a doc a chiro appointment because I'm getting older or like... <laughs> or, or, you know, maybe my friends and I, we've decided we're going out for happy hour or something like that. Like that is a typical day for me. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So what's the one lesson you think you've learned since having your first book published? What was some, what have you learned? You know, what has changed your, pers how can I put this? How did publishing your first book change your perspective of, you know, the whole process of publishing and writing? I mean, I've learned so much in publishing since then. I feel like I learn something new every day, good and bad. <laughs> yeah. Which we'll talk about that offline. But um, I think the biggest thing is because I didn't have a deadline for the first book, but for oh. the last three, you know, I have, and they've been tight. And yeah. so you can't, I've learned, and, and this goes with things that I've been learning in my personal life anyway, right? I say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. Mm -hmm. because <laughs> my instinct is to try and be perfect but I know that like perfection doesn't give you like real right. and one of the main things I've learned is that I can't write trying to be per like I can't try and make the book perfect I have to get words on the page first first and foremost get words on the page <laughs> yes. absolutely and yeah. you know because because done is better than perfect right so get words on the page, then I can go back and make sure like, oh, is the dialogue, you know, as dynamic as I wanted it to be? Like, does that scene feel as angsty as I wanted it to feel? Like, are you crying where I wanted you to cry? Are you like, are you getting hot and bothered where I wanted you, you know, but like, yes. I can't do that. I can't critique myself about that while I'm writing, because that's just going to make it take longer. And when you got two and a half months to write a thing, or, you know, this last one, thankfully, I had four and a half, five months to write it. So I was, that was, I had a lot of time. <laughs> but when, when you're on crunch time, you can't be critiquing yourself as you're writing. Cause then you won't, you just won't write it. Right, right, right. So that's the biggest lesson that I've had to learn is like, just get it, just write. Like, don't, don't overthink it. Don't try and like figure out what it's trying to do in the moment just get it out on the paper and then you can go back and you can edit what's on the paper but you can't edit what's not on the paper that is absolutely true so what what about those times when you have like writer's block or you're like in the weeds like what are your methods for getting out of that 
Oh, I have so many because it happens a lot. <laughs> so one thing is sometimes I will go back to the other books um, and like read a chapter or a scene and just put myself back in that friendship group or back in like that character. How did they sound in the last book? Like what what's something that I already established that they that's important to them? Now that helps because I'm writing a series, but mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's one of the things I will do. Like I said, I will listen to music. I will listen to music that I, that I have already said, like, I want this song to be in the book and that helps me kind of get back in the zone. Mm -hmm. Um, I will meditate. I will go walking, get some sun. My dad always talks about the benefits of natural vitamin D, right? It's true. true. Yeah, Um, Yeah. So those are a lot of things. If I'm able to, sometimes I will take a trip because- Sometimes it's, I have to get myself out of like, I'm at the same desk that I do my work in and I'm trying to, you know, be creative and it's, it's blocking me. So I might do a staycation or a trip to Palm Springs or something like that, just to get my brain cooking in a new space. Mm. 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 So you'll actually go there and to write, like a writing vacation. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Or not necessarily a writing vacation, but a vacation that I will take two or three hours to write in during the day. Ah, Um, And so because then I'm not doing my other work, Mm. it gives me, it like takes some of the pressure off. It's like, oh, if I wake up to the the beauty of like a private pool, because I can't get that in New York, right? Like if I wake up and that's my morning view, and I'm just casually drinking some coffee, it's not as much pressure to then be like, oh, let me sit down and type a few words out. And then you look up yeah. and you're like, oh, I just wrote a thousand words in yeah. like an hour and I didn't even realize it. Yeah. As opposed to the pressure of being like, I need to write a thousand words tonight or I'm not gonna like stay on track. You know, sometimes just that, I don't know how it is for you, but for me, yeah. sometimes that can be the thing that causes the writer's block. Yeah, I mean, I do a fairly detailed outline, so I know where everything is supposed to go. It's just about like taking three sentences and turning them into a chapter can be difficult if your brain is focused on all the other things. Like if I don't write 500 words tonight, that means tomorrow I'm going to have to write 2,500, you know, like all that kind of stuff just blocks the creativity from coming out. So yes, you're absolutely, you are absolutely right. Absolutely right. Like if you're so focused on the task at hand mm-hmm. that's gonna make the block even <laughs> even worse you know what I mean like you're oh my god you're so right Ooh, that's, what, that's, that's it's what funny because um my my baby nephew he is a year and a half so you know his personality is just starting to like come mm-hmm. out for real mm-hmm. and he got mad at me the other day because my mom turned off he was watching Miss Rachel and my mom turned off Miss Rachel for him to talk to me. And now normally he runs to the phone to talk to me, but he was into Miss Rachel that day and he didn't want to get interrupted, right? So he was, you know, cutting his eyes at me and everything. And they were trying to get him to stop being mad. And I was like, don't do that because if he's anything like me, you trying to make me stop being mad is only going to make me more mad. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And that's the same thing with like when you're blocked, trying to unblock yourself by thinking about all the like obligations and what if I don't do this? What that's only going to make you more blocked. Oh my god! You have to release all of that, release yes. all of that pressure, and then only then can you go back to and be like, okay, 
Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Now we're back in it. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. So what what is some advice that you would give for uh, writers starting out? That's like, you know, I want to write romance, but I don't know where to start. What What's your advice for, for them? I mean, uh, I would say you said one of the things like read romance stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to, and I still say that I'm a student of the genre. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm still learning authors that sometimes I'll be like, how did I not know about that author? <laughs> you know, like, but it's exciting for me because I get to, you know, discover somebody, discover yeah. stuff that people have already discovered um, 20 years ago when I was reading, I don't know. I don't what was I reading? I don't know. I'm sure it wasn't romance, whatever, right? <laughs> so um I would certainly say that like uh in anything, you become a better writer by reading better read, like better writing. So yes. certainly like read, you know, learn the genre, read good romance stories, read, read bad romance stories, like learn yes. what you like and what you don't like, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, figure out where your place is in it. Um, Because if you're trying to get a traditional deal, they're going to ask you, you know, okay, what is your book like? And what is your book not like? Mm -hmm. Because book publishing is kind of weird. They want you to fit in the box, but they don't want you to fit too much in the box. Like you got to tell them like, what's the thing that's a little bit different, but yeah. also like, what are the books that are kind of the same? Right? You want to make <laughs> Which money. is a weird, exactly, <laughs> it's a weird thing to figure out, but that's what it is. Um, so you have to, the only way that you can figure out how you stand out from other books in the genre is to read the genre. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That's and then to say, oh, I know what I can bring that maybe is, you know, a little bit different or maybe is like slightly missing or maybe is like something that I would have always wanted to read growing up, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that that makes you not only a stronger writer, but a stronger candidate to get a, you know, an actual publishing deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Darby, this is, um, we're winding down. Okay. So this is like my favorite part of the the, the interview. Not not like the rest of it hasn't been good, girl. But <laughs> this is like the favorite part where I ask you like just rapid fire questions and you give me the first answer that comes to the top of your head. Oof, no pressure. Are you ready? Here. No pressure. Girl. <laughs> okay. um, so your favorite book as a kid. <laughs> I'm sure. So I read a lot of horror books as a kid, which is crazy. Okay. I hate horror now. Um, so I'm sure it was some sort of R.L. Stein type of book. Goosebumps. <laughs> right. Goosebumps or, or Nancy Drew, Babysitter's Club, like somewhere in that genre. <laughs> I was definitely mm-hmm. a kid of the late 80s, early 90s, like book it type of thing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, do you like writing love, love scenes or dramatic arguments? can I say both okay I like both but but you know what I don't like and maybe this is I know this is supposed to be rapid fire but I don't love romance scenes that come right after a dramatic fight because like I I mean I just said don't try and make me unmad right (laughs) (laughs) the last thing I want to do after we just got into this dramatic argument is have sex with you <laughs> so, uh, yeah yeah 
Now I know that does it for some people, so that's no judgment. That is you're not, no you're not, you're not, a, you're not a fight, then we fuck. <laughs> Got it. Got no. it. Yeah, give, give me a moment. Give me a moment. I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. It, you know, if you wrap the bull up, you gotta give the bull a little chance to come back down. <laughs> well, see, I'm an Aries, and that works for me. So, well, yeah, that that makes sense. That I'm totally an Aries. Makes sense. Right. works for me. We gonna fight. All right, we gonna do that. Thing. That's cool too. Which um, is why none of my Aries relationships have ever worked. Well, we're friends, so it's no, no friends. I'm talking about partners. Well, okay, all right, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, it's fair. But girlfriends are always great. Girlfriends. Um, are great. So what are the hardest things for you to write? Um, the hardest scenes are, honestly, it's probably the, the sex scenes, the steamy mm-hmm. scenes, right? Like I love writing them and they're hard mm-hmm. because, and I think maybe I love writing them because they're hard ah. because there's such a thin line between like writing something that gives you the goosebumps and the like, woof. I want to be in that scene. Like, I want that to happen to me and going overboard where you're like, oh, that is not <laughs> what just happened here. <laughs> or finding yourself getting too technical when you're trying to like yes. describe the scene or, yes. you know, that kind of thing. Like, I still want it to be passionate. Like, yeah, I want you to know the the logistics of what is happening. And like, yes, yes. the bee yeah. is going into the bee and da, 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 right? But yeah, I want yes, it to yes. be like steamy and, yes. you know, vulnerable and all that kind of stuff because that's what makes it a romance novel right like instead of something else um so those do take me time to get through just Mm -hmm. because I want to like I I usually read them over several times to just make sure like is this something that would get me going because if not we need to do it again (laughs) we need to try it again try that again yes (laughs) So we talked a little bit about this, but your favorite place to write? Oh, if it's not on vacation. <laughs> I was say, if it's not on vacation. But even on vacation, it's probably in my bed. So I was going to say in my bed. In your bed. Okay. Um, so whether it's my actual bed or the vacation bed with like a beautiful view, I, mm-hmm. I find myself more creative in a bed setting. Okay. We talked a little, we also mentioned this a little bit earlier, but reviews, do you read them or not read them? No, well, I read professional reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, like if someone's giving me like a star rating or something like that, and I read, right. I might not read the whole thing, but I do at least glance at the ones where I've been tagged in. That is not a, a nod to do more of it. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> but I do do that. But um, for reviews on like book sites and that kind of stuff. Nope, absolutely not. I don't do it. No good reads for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the last romance novel that you read. Okay. I don't want to say, well, I'm going to say it, but you're going to think I'm saying it because we're talking, but it's your book. <laughs> but I just posted that online. So, you know, that That's true. She, does have, she does have photographic evidence that she was on the beach reading my book y'all it, exactly. it's true she really was she really well thank you thank you and Bobby. I loved it so you know thank there you, you go <laughs> thank you but that does sound self-serving but it's true it was the last romance book that I read <laughs> but I didn't pay her to say that y'all she no. did it on her own she did, if she it did helps it right now I'm reading bell hooks and feeling like I'm getting like my whole life read to me so <laughs> oh gosh are you reading um all about love mm-hmm. 
don't do that to yourself, girl. Hello? And I was trying to read it on vacation. I was like, I'm putting this down. That made me cry. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite word that you use in your writing? Like, like that you know you use over and over again? I know that I have to do a find and search for just. I use just a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But in terms of favorite, like actual favorite word is when I can throw in a seriously. Cause that's just, I feel like if you know, if you're, if you're around someone who just says like, seriously, serious, like seriously can have so many different tones to it. Yes. But when you read it, you know exactly which way you should be reading it based on the context of it. Cause exactly. it could be like, seriously, seriously, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> like yes. so many different things. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so true. Okay. If your book became a movie who would you want to play the lead are we talking about the shoe diaries yeah yeah. whichever Um, book you want to pick out of the series or you can start with the first one that's fine so i did like a whole thing actually recently where i like put the all the main characters into Mm -hmm. um so jake was rome flynn oh you know know who he is he's so yeah (laughs) yes Continue. oh my god that's a good one yeah <laughs> and then reagan i described her as like a shorter version of jordan um what's jordan woods because jordan woods okay. is She's but very- but and reagan is not but like like a shrunken version of jordan woods would be, would be reagan. jordan woods <laughs> okay I get it though like shorter Jordan Woods I yeah get it. yeah I get, it. I get it yeah that's a good pairing I like that I like that um where do you see romance novels going in like the next decade where would you like for romance novels to be going in the next decade oh where I see them going and where I want them to go might be different but mm-hmm. I what I want is for more books like ours to be like in the norm right mm-hmm. Um, I love when I can read books that are, they just feel real. Mm-hmm. They just feel like the person, even if they are around a trope, right? Like that the trope is just like the foundation, but it's not necessarily about the trope. It's about right. like this story that I'm able to dig into and like, really like immerse myself in this world. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I love when I can read, you know, frankly, like black women's stories, plus size women's stories, mm-hmm. um, stories of, of women who are not necessarily in like small towns or whatever, because that's just not my experience. Yeah. Um, and stories where the women have people around them, whether it's friends or family or whatever, who are supportive and have their back like unconditionally because I feel like when you're when you like if you really want to dig into what a romance story really is it's the journey of like two individual people deciding like I'm gonna take a chance on this love thing yes yes and that's not always easy to do so you got to have people around you that like lift you up and really Mm -hmm. like encourage you to keep trying to do that thing because It may look easy, you know, 
on Hallmark. And I love a Hallmark movie, so that's not a shade to Hallmark. It may look easy on Hallmark, but we just said, like, my favorite movie is Love Jones. So Love Jones, it wasn't easy. (laughs) It wasn't a straight line to love, no. It wasn't a straight line. And often it's not a straight line in real life. So I like those stories. Um, and, And I would love to see more of them. I'd love to see more, like, Black female authors getting a chance to get traditional romance contracts and like flourish and really like tell all the different types of stories that come with that because I have my background you have your background Mm -hmm. we all have like these different ways that you know I, I said I said to someone the other day that romance has the ability to be this large umbrella but only let it be yes and and I think often why I mean frankly why I didn't read it growing up is because I only knew of the Danielle Steeles and the like covers with Fabio on the you know like that yeah yeah and that just didn't entice me that did that wasn't anything that I wanted to really get into I knew that they were a big deal to somebody (laughs) right right but it just didn't like okay sure yeah (laughs) um but you know, I think that if given a chance, we just have like this plethora of stories that we can tell in the world. Um, And it can one, make women like us feel seen and two, give women who are not necessarily like us a chance to learn something new. That is very true. So my final question to you is when it's all said and done and you've written like five more series and all that good stuff and they've been turned into movies, um what do you what do you want <laughs> hey it's gonna happen um because I mean this ser- I mean this series right now I mean come on let's, let's be honest this is this is prime for a movie let's just make this a movie whoever's listening hello, my, my little hello. Podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> like I got some kind of juice um you do but uh when it's all said and done and you've done all the things that you want to do career-wise what do you want readers to say about the books that you've produced and what does literary success look like to you? Oh, okay. So I've been saying recently that I'm a storyteller on a mission to make, I've said this a few times, to make women like me feel seen, but I think also to believe that like love is possible for them, Mm -hmm. right? And I always say like, yes, them at the end, because sometimes you need that second reassurance. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I really did mean you, right? Right. (laughs) Um. And so I, you know, the journey to get to that and all the books is different, but ultimately it does come down to these women feeling like, oh, I, me, imperfect me showing up in this world Mm -hmm. gets to have this awesome, passionate love experience and like, yes, you, right? And so that's what I want. That's, I want that to be part of my legacy that when people read the book not not necessarily just women but when people read the book they're reminded that like you don't have to settle you get to have as you are whatever love is meant for you in your life right um and however I can serve as a reminder of that that you know that's that is my my mission and my goal in my books um and then in terms of like what's literary success I mean I think every author would say they want to be a New York Times bestseller right (laughs) for sure (laughs) yes yes, New York Times bestseller USA Today bestseller Amazon bestseller like give me all of them Uh, (laughs) yes certainly 
would love to see the books optioned into a series or a movie or whatever. Um, and ultimately, I want to be a full-time author. I'm yeah. not right now. I want it to be something that is my full-time job outside of like wife and motherhood. So yes, yes. Well, Darby, this has been absolutely delightful. I've enjoyed talking to you. Um, we only had a Saints and Falcons battle like one time. So that's great. We'll see, we'll see what happens during the season though, girl. We'll see what happens during the season. I, I, I see what my 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 QB is gonna do. Um, but what's next for you in, in this in this world of um the shoe diaries, the friendship chronicles? What's next? And are we gonna have something beyond? The, the the friendship chronicles and this friend group um so you mentioned sort of you teased it a little bit but yes. book four I just delivered to Harlequin at the end of April that is coming out in early 2024 I think January 2024 mm -hmm. um and I am already on deadline for book five so there will at least be six books in the friendship chronicle series wow um, okay Hoping for more. I have ideas to just keep it going. We're just going to keep it going. Okay, so, so who's going to be in book four and five at least? Book four, I can tell you, is Olivia. Olivia, okay. Um, I was hoping that, yes. I fought it for a little bit, but then I was just like, come on, it's got to be Olivia. Right, right, right. I fought it with myself, not with anybody else. It was just okay. me. Okay. Um, and then book five is someone that you meet in Olivia's book. So Nice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. I love this. Um, well, tell the people where we can find you on social media and where we can purchase all of your wonderful books. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both under my name, because I'm not super creative on that kind of stuff. So it's just <laughs> at Darby Baham, D-A-R-B-Y-B-A-H-A-M. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can purchase my books actually by going to my website at DarbyBaham.com. Ha ha, see that theme? <laughs> But there's a book page that has links to links for all purchase links for all three books. Mm -hmm. um, so it gives you Amazon, it gives you Bookshop, it gives you Barnes and Noble, all the things. Mm -hmm. um, there's a few indie bookstores that carry them already. So it has links to those as well. Signed copies at some of those. Um, and then, you know, if you're on Bookshop and your indie bookstore doesn't have it, you can request it on there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I like to say it's at all major retailers and hopefully most indie booksellers. So. Yes, 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 yes. And the, most of them are on audio too. So. Yes, they, all three of them are on audio. Yes, all of them are on audio. Um, so if you're a person who likes to listen to your books, that, that's certainly an option as well. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Tarvi. This has thank been wonderful. You. This has been and, great. And I wish you much success. And I know you're going to have much success. And I will be seeing you around these internet streets yes <laughs> hopefully in real life soon yes yes for sure have a good night I'm so thankful for being here <laughs>Hi everyone, I hope you all enjoyed that episode with Darby Bam. You can find out more about Darby and her next books in the Friendship Chronicles series that should be coming out in the next couple of years on her website, DarbyBam.com. Once again, I'm Tati Richardson, your resident romance writer and reader here at Romance and Color, thanking you for joining us for another week of romance and real inclusive love. If you want more information on Romance and Color, what we're going to be doing next, 
how you can come on the podcast and be a part of the conversation, please go to our Instagram at Romance in Color. That's Romance in Color with a U. Or on our Twitter at Romance, the letter N, and Color with a U. And if you want to know more about me, Tati Richardson, and my debut novel, The Build Up, you can go to my website, TatianaRichardson.com. You all take care. God bless. And we'll see you all next week.